Good to be here with you. I'll not take a lot of time with preliminaries because I want to have time to minister the word. Woe to those who come to the second service because we're not going to be in a hurry. So I, I, I'm going to be preaching this message to myself. If I could stretch a mirror from this wall to this wall, I'd be happy just preaching to what I'm looking in the mirror at. It's challenging to this man that you're looking at right now. I'm going to be preaching on, on this thought. Have I done my best? Am I doing my best? And Lord, is there anything else that I can do? I'm 76 years of age, been in ministry more than 50 years, Mexico more than 30 years, and I still cry out, God, I have a little bit left I can give. Just point me to what you want. I want you to look at a few pictures here, just a moment. We're just going to show them quite rapidly. This is one of the poorest areas of the state of Chiapas where I work. Now, this is a church. This is a four-year-old church. I'll tell you a little bit about it later on in the sermon. Okay? This is their new church. And I'll tell you why I built it a little later in the sermon. Okay? This is the inside of that new church. Let me go a little further. I'll show you the youth building. That's the youth auditorium. That's where the children worship. Young people worship in that church. Let's go a little further. Pastor and his wonderful family, his wife. One more, too. This is the congregation. Now, Lafayette, you're so blessed here. You have such a beautiful city it's to, to draw your congregation from. Just marvelous. This is their congregation. That's where they live. Okay. How would you like to live there? Solo Cristo Salva. Only Christ saves. Thank you so much. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles two passages of Scripture. One is found in Proverbs 21 and 13. Now remember, I'm going to be preaching to myself more than anybody. Proverbs 21 and 13 Give you time to go there. And when you find that, also turn to Ezekiel 34 and we'll read first four verses of that chapter. But let's go to Proverbs. Seventy-six years of age, fifty-some years in the ministry, thirty-some years in missions, and I just finished three weeks ago my 10th church this year. 
And yet I cry out, God, have I done my best? Am I doing my best? Is there anything else you want of me before I go the way that my brother Brad has gone to be with my Lord? My condolences to the family, to the congregation. He was, he is, he will always be a great man in the eyes of this, of this congregation. From verse, in verse 13, now listen, listen to this. This again, I'm preaching to Larry. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. I don't want to be in that place. It doesn't say he will not be heard. It says he'll not be answered. Now go over to Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 4. Ezekiel 34, 1 through 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. I am one of those shepherds. I've been called by God to be a minister. I have faithfully ministered for more than 50 years. But yet we read in the word of God where God says to Ezekiel, cry out to the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to these uh, shepherds, thus says the Lord, woe shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? Again, I preach to myself. Have I been feeding myself and living off the fat of ministry? And have I forsaken the flock that he has sent me to shepherd? Very serious, very serious question in my mind. You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with wool, you slaughter the fat sheep, but you don't take care of the flock. Without feeding the flock, you eat. You eat to the all that you want, all that you can hold. You eat, but you wouldn't share anything with your people. An indictment against the ministry of those who do that. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened them. Wasn't you, so why should you be concerned about somebody else's problem? You've not strengthened those who are sick. The disease you have not healed. Not your problem either. Their problem. The broken you have not bound up. You remember what Jesus said? He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach to these type of people and to bind up the brokenhearted. But yet Ezekiel says, the broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back, and the loss you have not sought. By force and with severity, you've dominated them. God, is that Larry Myers? 
I, I do not want to end my life in God being unsatisfied with me. He who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. In the 10th chapter of the book of Luke, a man was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he picked a bad day to be traveling on that road. Bible said that he was robbed. He was stripped of his clothes. He was beaten. And he was left half dead. Three men passed by. It doesn't matter who they were. You said it's a priest and a Levite. Forget them. Could have been Boudreaux. Could have been Tipido. And it could have been Fontenot. No. Just three men. And all of them heard the cry of that poor man dying. Half dead. They saw him, and two of them, Fontenot and Thibodeau, walked right on by him. Not my problem, his problem. He should have been more prepared. He shouldn't have come this way. He should have waited until tomorrow. He should have come yesterday. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he himself will cry and not be answered. But the Sumerian goes by and does everything that he can to help this poor man. All three of those men, according to the scripture, in life would pass through some difficult times. And they too would cry out to God. When Tipido had his problem, and he had passed up the man of the ditch, and yet he says, God, this is... Tibido, I need you. He doesn't get his answer. Maybe he should go back and remember when he failed to hear the cry of the man in the ditch. Believe you me, the priest that passed by that man had days later on in his life when he cried out to God. You'd love to go through life and never have a problem. Well, that's a fairy tale. And if you ever figure it on out, please invite me and Mary Lou. She's not with me today the first time in all of my ministry. She couldn't be here. She fell and broke her foot. And now she's crying out to God. Will God hear her? I cried out for God, to God for her. Will God hear me? If you shut your eyes, your ears to the cry of the poor, you too in time will cry to God and beg for an answer. God says, you're not going to get answered. Well, prove that by the scripture, okay? I will. Thank you for asking me. There was a man called King Saul. God selected him to be the king of Israel. He's a good man at times. But then he disobeyed God like we all do from time to time. And God was very angry with Saul. In fact, God said, God said that I regret 
Boy, I never want to hear God speak to me beginning his, his speech with, I regret. Larry Myers, I regret. What he said to Saul, he said, I regret making you king. Let him never say to me, I regret that I ever called you from the banks of the Chafalai River into ministry. Let it never be said, Pastor, that God regrets ever putting you with Brother Francis Morton and training you to do a great job as pastor of this church. Let it never be said, I regret. But that's what God said to Saul. Saul said these words. He said, I inquired of God, and he doesn't answer me. You you see, there was a billion Philistines standing ready to destroy Israel. Time to get trembling. When When your problems are that big, it's time to get a little bit afraid. And so he himself said, I, I inquired of God, but he wouldn't answer me. He wouldn't answer me in dreams. He wouldn't answer me by the prophets. He wouldn't even answer me in casting lots. He just he didn't want anything to do with me. He shut his ears to me because Saul had, had committed a, a grave error. He disobeyed God. When God said, take this land, kill everything in it, don't save anything, he disobeyed him and he kept what he wanted. He kept the fat of the land. When Saul's back was against the wall, and in time, all of our backs will be against the wall. Pastor Brad's back was against the wall for several months in the illness that he had. I know he's with the Lord. I know he's eternally with our Lord. But I know that there were many days that his physical body suffered. There comes a time in all of our lives that difficult times knocks on our door. And this time it was knocking on Saul's door. And God would not speak to him. He called Samuel from the dead. Samuel had already died, was buried, resting in eternity. And Saul finds the witch of Endor, calls him from the dead. And Samuel says to Saul, why have you disturbed me? I was comfortable where I was. Brad is comfortable where he is. Amen. And we will not call him back. We will not disturb that wonderful peace and rest that he's enjoying today. But Samuel was called from the dead. And he asked Saul, he said, why have you done this? And he said, because God would no longer answer me. That's a sad place to be. He who shuts his ears to the cry, to the need of the poor, we too will cry. The scripture says, he'll be saying, huh? 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 I can't hear you. Will not receive our answer. But the answer that Saul received from Samuel, he didn't want it. In plain old Cajun talk, that's who I be. I be Cajun. I come from the clan of the Mayu. Mayu. Not Myers, Mayu. That's a little bit on the Cajun side. All the way from France. 
the record all the way to me today. We have it. I'm, crazy. I'm Cajun. I'm big time Cajun. And I'm proud to be a big time Cajun. The news that Saul received in plain old Cajun was this. Pack your bags. Maybe he didn't say pack your bags, but I'll tell you what he did say to Samuel, to Saul. He says, tomorrow you and your sons are going to be with me. That'll put a chill up and down anybody's spine. You're not hearing from God, but you're hearing from me. Tomorrow, you and your boys are going to be with me. Pack your bags. He who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor shall also cry and not be answered. In Luke 16, a poor man sat at the gate of a rich man. For years and years and years. And he cried. He cried because of the hunger. He cried because of the pain. His body was racked with sores from toe to head. And when you have a sore. And it dries and it cracks. You move your body. And his pain shoots all through your body. Not a comfortable place to be with sores from the head to the foot. He who shuts his, his ear to the cry of the poor shall also cry. What the scripture says. And put it on top, on top of that, the dogs even came by and licked the sores of that poor man. And the rich man never heard the pain, never heard the cry, never heard the hunger, continued to eat and enjoy life, much like the, 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 the shepherds that Ezekiel was talking to. You eat the fat. You close yourself with the wool. You have everything you want, but you've forsaken the sheep. I want to give a word of encouragement to your pastor, you both your pastors. You have been called to shepherd the flock. Never forget that. First and foremost in your ministry, God has called you care for his sheep. These are not your sheep. They're God's sheep. They're not, this is not your flock. They're God's flock. You have the honor of being selected by the almighty God, placed over this congregation. Listen to their cry. Bind up the brokenhearted. Strengthen the sick. Heal those that are diseased. And God will hear you in your time of need. Amen? Let me go on. Have I done my best? Ezekiel, again, 34. Read it. He said, the sickly you have not strengthened, the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back. You have not sought the loss. In other words, you're in it for yourself. 
You're blessed in life. You live a good life. I'm looking at some of you people that have been eating nothing but the fat of the land. I'm glad I was in a home with some skinny people last night. But when I left there, I had to kind of let a notch out on my belt. The best crawfish stew that you could ever imagine. I ate two plates of it. And those, those bullets, in, 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 in Texas we call them bullets. Those bullets were so good, so good. I said, save a little bag for Mary Lou. I'm going to take them home to her. Delicious. And then there was a banana pudding. Oh, good Lord, have mercy, have mercy on me. Huge. And I was the first that they dipped some out, and they gave me just about half of that huge bowl. And I ate every bit of it. Ezekiel chastised the shepherds. Because it's nothing wrong with having a good life. It's nothing wrong with being blessed. It is nothing wrong with being filthy rich. There's nothing wrong with it. Pay your tithe. But when you see the hurting and you're only concerned about yourself, you're treading on very thin ice. God doesn't like that. Now, let me go back to that church, that beautiful church that we had there a little while ago. We have a gorgeous church in Chiapas. Beautiful. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. It has a full-size gymnasium, a dormitory, very nice as any motel, the dormitory that built on the property for the United States uh, uh, visitors to stay the night and then go up to the mountains the next day. We have everything. Everything that we need. And so Carlos asked me, he said, would you like to go and see a little church that's struggling? I was there. I said, sure. That's Carlos going in the door of that church that we showed the picture of. I said, sure, let's go. I get over there and I see this church. And I asked the pastor, how long have you been here? Four years. Laboring in that cardboard shack that he called his church four years, dirt floor. I walked in and I saw his little daughter with a broom trying to hit a scorpion that was running across the dirt floor. Didn't make it. Scorpion went right on down between the wall and the floor. Poor people. Poor people. I had my friend Paul Pogue with me. We sat in a chair in the front of that little shack. And I said these words to them. How can we dare go back to our church 10 minutes drive from where we were? No more than 10 minutes. How can we dare go back there and ask God for one single thing if we're not willing to reach out to these people? It's not even my church, not even one of our churches at all. But it's one of God's churches. And I said, let's build a church. And you saw what we built. A 
beautiful church. $40,000 to build that church. But what can I do with $40,000? Buy more boulet? More shrimp for the stew? What do I need? They were hurting four years. On top of that, the pastor's leg had been severed when he slid under a train while he was in the military. He was a sinner, didn't know God. Imagine the wife having to care for the children in Mexico. How much she must have suffered along the way. I will never forget the words that she said when she she's standing in the front door of that church. Men were working, painting it, getting it. It's just, it turned out beautiful. Tile floor, everything. She stood in that front door and she said, get ready to pray. If I fall, are you sure God will hear you or answer you? And these are the words that she said to me. Vale la pena. How many knows what that means? Vale la pena. Someone who knows what vale la pena means, stand up and tell the congregation. It's worth it. It's worth it. Worth the struggle. Worth four years of coming in day after day, night after night, praying and asking God for his favor. Worth it. Husband with a prosthesis leg, worth it. He was a sinner when it happened. He found Christ and he became a pastor, called of God, pastoring among those poor people on the side of the hill that you saw. And she's saying, worth it all? Worth the struggle? Worth it all? Vale la pena. Have I done my best. I built a nice church, but have I done anything for the people who live on the side of the hills? Many, many houses, shacks, no electricity, no water, no sewer. You just walk out of your little shack and maybe a little piece of, of uh, plastic wrapped around four posts. You go in there. That's your bathroom. Can you imagine the sick children born in that filth and raised in that filth? You've got a gorgeous little daughter. Beautiful. I love her. But when she was about six months, eight months, a little year, when she started to crawl, put yourself back there on the side of that hill. How would you like to raise your child there? Parasites, worms. All that could affect people. And so I asked myself, Larry, have you done your best? Sure, you built a lot of churches all over Mexico. You built, you built medical facilities. You built Bible schools. Uh, you, you built, you worked hard, but have I done my best? Is there anything left in this temple that I can offer to my God? Have I done my best? No, I haven't. 
And I just want to share something with you before I turn my service, the service over to our pastor. I leave here. Sunday, I'll be in Detroit, Michigan. Sunday week, I will be in East Texas. And the following Sunday, I'll be right back there in Chiapas. Do you know why? I'm going to build a medical clinic. And whosoever will, let them bring their babies, let them bring their sick, let them. I will not be guilty. I will not be guilty of not strengthening the sick. I will not be guilty of not healing the disease. I will not be guilty of not binding up the brokenhearted. I will not be guilty of not searching for the laws. As long as I am alive, yes, I can do more. And yes, I will do more. I will build that clinic personally. Doctors said you're not supposed to do that. Well, there are no doctors here today. Doctors don't know everything. <laughs> Sometimes the call of God is so strong. We've had several blows that hit us in the last year. We lost Dr. Russell Romero, retired. Great plastic surgeon that blessed so many years, so many people in Mexico. He's retired and not be with us anymore. The doctor who started the church, the medical facility with me in Atoyac, near Acapulco, here a few weeks ago, took his family out to the beach. A big wave hit, washed him out there. He drowned. He drowned and his brother-in-law died. They've never found his body washed out in the ocean. I was in Mexico three weeks ago with a great friend who personally has financed a medical clinic in in Chinelo, for 20 years, I built the clinic. 20 years, he paid the entire bill, the doctor and all the medicine. I was with him three weeks ago, two weeks ago now. We embraced. I took him to the airport. He flew home. Two days later, I got a call. He had a massive stroke. Lived two days. Died. I flew home. I buried him, flew right back to Mexico. Didn't even go to my house. Just from Mexico to Dallas to Texarkana to Dallas to Mexico. So I don't have my plastic surgeon. I do not have Dr. Antonio in Atoyac. He's dead. I do not have this, this oral surgeon, Dan Moore, gone. But I do have the almighty God who sits on the throne of glory. And he said it. He said, build me a clinic for the poor. And I said, Lord, I will. I want to physically build that building with the help of others. Will you stand with me? Pastor, will you come? You need not receive or take anything from this sermon if you don't want to. That's for me. I can study and receive studying. But when I'm preaching, it's the anointing of God. It's ministering deep within me. God bless you.